0: welcome to radio naturopath the talk show about health and natural medicine it's monday august 22nd 2022 live to be rebroadcast wednesday august 24 2022 on 91.7 fm whus stores i am Fran Storch nd naturopathic physician with my co-host ron manizza we're coming to you live from beautiful mansfield hollow connecticut comment below to let us know you're here and ask questions you can also email me at radionaturopath@gmail.com. at gmail.com if you'd like to listen to this show at another time, you can check out our podcast at WHUS.org, iTunes, and Spotify. You can also check out my Facebook page, Twitter, and Instagram at Franz Dorchendi. The views expressed on this program do not reflect the views of the staff management or licensee of this station. The information presented on this show should not be construed as medical advice or direction. If you're having a medical condition, please consult with your physician. All right. So we had a nice weekend, didn't we? Yeah. You have, you're wearing a nice shirt. I am. I'm wearing a steeplechase It's shirt. a very pretty yeah. peacock color. Mm-hmm. The best color was last year because it was magenta. I really liked last year's magenta color of t-shirt. That's my favorite. But this might be my second favorite. That, the peacock turquoise is gorgeous. It's a really lovely mm-hmm. shirt. Hit the road for charity, steeplechase bike tour. So we did the steeplechase. Ron worked his tushy off all last week. He was marking the roads. God bless at Austin in heaven. Diane which means that's a Jewish thing you say when somebody passes. It means God is the true judge. He was felt everywhere. I got to meet his, um, his son and, and daughter-in-law. Um, who are our neighbors. Now I had never met them before, but I went to the Holy Cow Family Shelter for the second time in all the years I've been doing the steeplechase because I rode the metric this year. And it was a triumph for me because I got to ride the full metric and I did fine. And I've been having some health issues ongoing, which are mending, I would say. Would you say I am mending? Um, much, Very much so, yes. Yes, I'm on the mend. So I was able to ride a full metric and I felt fine. I mean, I felt tired like I had ridden a metric. I felt normal and for having ridden a metric and it was great. It did turn out to be a very hot day. I rode with four of my favorite bike friends, Donna Waxman, Martin Summer, uh, Lance Merton, and Dave Wahlberger. So I had a wonderful time with them. And when you use Strava <laughs> Strava is, um, if you're not familiar with Strava, Strava is an app that you use to record your bike ride. You keep track. It, like, logs all of your um, bike rides and runs, and you can log any sort of exercise that you do on it. And they give you challenges to keep you going. And one of the challenges is they give you a little virtual badge for different tasks that you do. So this month I've already gotten a virtual badge for riding 400 kilometers in the month. Uh, And there's another badge for 800 kilometers, which is, that's a lot of miles, isn't it? Um, and sometimes I get that. And when I was riding more, I would get the feet of climbing uh, badge and 7,500 meters, which is a lot of feet. That's like 10,000 plus feet of climbing. And I haven't gotten that this year because I just haven't been riding so much. Um, but the other thing that they do is they give you a grand fondo badge, and what they consider to be a grand fondo is a 100 is 100 kilometers. And so I hadn't gotten one all year until. Saturday. And so the steeplechase metric century, it was, but it was um, labeled as 62.4 miles. When I got to the finish, I think, I don't even know if I had 62, I might have 61.9. So, and I really wanted that badge. (laughs) So my friends, Dave and Lance, they, they rode another 30 miles. They rode a century um, they finished the metric with us, and then they kept They kept riding another 30 miles at least, and um, they got a sentry. So I said to Dave and Lance, who were behind me, listen, I, I'm not, I don't have a metric yet. I need to keep going. And they said, okay, what great friends are those? And all I did was ride around the block. I rode past the finish, which upset all the people at the finish, except Ron explained to them she's still getting her miles. I rode, and I rode to the next turn that you could make, the next left that you were allowed to make, which I've, I'm not sure... That was North Street. Yeah, it was North Street and we turned left on North Street and uh, then we just turned left on Main Street and left again on church and went back and that did it. That got me my metric. So <laughs> So that was exciting. Um, but it was wonderful to ride with my friends. I wrote it, we rode at a decent pace and you know, it was a beautiful ride. And one of the things I'll say, Ron, is that metric, I had a couple of people comment, um, we were riding with one of the Kitty Crew early on. One of the things she did say is it's helped so much that this ride is so shaded, and um, mm-hmm. and I think that that nice fella, that nice British fella that we see all the time, yeah, um, he he was riding, and you oh. know he had ridden the TCC Sentry, and I saw him at a rest stop. But he said, "Oh, you're riding today," because we usually see him at the steeplechase. and he also commented on the shade. Uh, so, and I have to say that that metric was mostly shaded. There were a few patches where it was hot and sunny. I mean, that stretch on Bassett's Bridge Road in the field, big deal. You're almost back, doesn't matter. Um, And the other thing that happened was, you know, I'm good for breaking cables because I shift a lot. And um, as we were in our last leg from Bassett's Bridge Road, from the Holy Cow Phelan Shelter on in, I noticed that my shifting wasn't happening. It was happening unreliably in the back And I know that that's a sign that my cable is about to go. And it didn't, and it was shifting. It wouldn't shift, it wouldn't shift, and then it would. And Lance said to me, your cable is stretched out. You know, maybe it needs to be tightened. Mm
1: -hmm. And I'm like,
0: I know I'm having a cable problem. And I, but we got all the way back and I was fine and it didn't break. And then we got it home and Ron looked at the patient and the patient was about to burst. It was hanging on by a thread. So thank goodness I have a new cable. That was great. And then yesterday we did a really cool thing. So one of the things they do in the Staplechase bike tour is Ron created a parks walk tour, which people enjoy doing. And there are nine parks that Ron um, has people walk to. And there are signs posted and you go from from park to park. And it's really nice. So yesterday we got on our bikes. Ron uh, pulled a trailer and I rode my, um, my gravel bike. Uh, on the rail trail into Willamantic and we rode around the parks tour and picked up all the signs and Ron put them in the trailer which then got to be schleppy and heavy and then we finished with a nice coffee at Grounded and that was really nice and then we I think it's going to be our Sunday thing except maybe not next Sunday because I might have a bike event but um, in general our Sunday thing is now going to be ride the rail trail into town on Sunday morning and get coffee at Grounded that's what we're going to do so that's exciting. Um, so we had a really nice time. And then this morning I went out and um, thank thank God and the heavens and the goddess and anyone else you want to thank. Because this morning we looked at the sky and, you know, lots of heavy clouds. And I said, I think I have a little time before it starts raining. So I got out on my bike to climb some hills. And I do a, um, a warm-up loop around The block, essentially. We don't have blocks here, but I mean, there's a a little out and back I do from the house. uh, Three and a half miles. And I said to myself, you know, if it starts really raining, I'll just go home and and I'll finish on Zwift if I have to. And so I got to Route 6. I was maybe a, a little less than two miles in. And it started raining for real all over my face. And my glasses started to fog up. And it wasn't very nice. I said, that's it. I'm going home. I'm not doing hill repeats in this. So I went home and um, made Ron guess why I had come home. He thought something was wrong with me or the bike. And I said, no, nothing's wrong with me or the bike. Look out the window. And he looked out the window. And he saw the blessed rain. So I'm very happy that it's raining, I must say, because we really need it. I got on the Zwift. My Zwift worked fine. Although I do have to tell you, my Pinarello needs some love. Yeah, it's because you haven't ridden it. Well, the... um Bikes have feelings, you know. The front gear, um, you know, the front derailleur. Yeah. I can't shift into the big ring without the chain dropping. Okay. Yeah, so that's a thing. Um, so anyway, it, it needs some love. And you're right, because I've been riding it, and, and the Pinarello does need some love. So anyway, we had a great weekend. We'll I'm very happy because my health is improving, and I was able to do a metric. I'm fine. I'm doing well. And, uh, now I can give you some more advice about stuff that can help you with your health. So, um, please write in, um, you know, please write in the comments if you're watching on Facebook live. Well, that would be the only way you're listening right now, because that's the only way it's being broadcast to the world, unless you're listening at another time. But, uh, it's, uh, if you're listening today on Monday, uh, August 22nd, uh, please do comment below. And if you have a question and I can see it, I will answer your question. Okay. So do that. Okay, so anyway, and speaking of questions, Judith from online she messaged me and she wanted to ask a question. She said a lot of us are strapped for cash. She wanted to know um, what are some low-cost ways that, um, uh, yeah, what are some low-cost ways that um, you can that you can use home remedies? What are some low-cost home remedies for health and healing? because people are strapped. And so, you know, they can't afford to necessarily buy a lot of stuff or maybe even see a practitioner. And, you know, I'm happy to give advice because this is a way that people can get information in a way that's, you know, not so costly. Anyway, so let's, let's look at what some home remedies are that maybe won't cost you very much. Okay, so here's a whole bunch of cool stuff. Um, and and these, these suggestions are all over the map so number one magnesium magnesium is super important for you magnesium is a really important mineral magnesium is used to keep muscles and nerves calm um, magnesium is um, it's it, it helps to keep uh, your nerves from overfiring and therefore your muscles from cramping uh, magnesium helps nerves to fire in your brain as well so if you have enough magnesium um, your, your brain won't overfire and you'll be less anxious. Magnesium is known to reduce anxiety. Um, if you get enough magnesium in, it'll keep, your, it'll keep you going to the bathroom. It'll keep your, um, your bowels regular uh, by a couple of mechanisms. One mechanism is that uh, magnesium helps you to have regular peristalsis. So because the magnesium is feeding the muscles in your colon, you'll have regular contractions. So you'll be able to go to the bathroom more readily. Uh, the other thing magnesium does is if you get extra magnesium into your colon, um, it will draw water to it, and so it'll make it easier to pass your stool. Mind you, if you take too much magnesium, you can get loose stool or diarrhea, so you don't want to overdo your magnesium. And some people find that if it's this time of year, and you know, Ron and I are eating a lot of green stuff, we're eating lots of beautiful greens, and we're eating really high quality. Um, well-grown greens with lots of compost and fish emulsion. So they're really high in magnesium. And so we have to be careful how many, how much magnesium pills we take, because uh, you can put yourself into that, oops, too much. Um, And the other piece of magnesium is it also depends on what type of magnesium you take, because some magnesiums are magnesium salts are more readily absorbed than others. So for example, magnesium citrate is not as well absorbed. It's more likely to wind up in your colon and help you go to the bathroom than say magnesium glycinate or magnesium L-threonate, um, which get absorbed more and will wind up in your brain and your nerves and your muscles where you want them to help with things. Now you can eat foods that are high in magnesium and there are lots of them. So the big thing to remember is that Um, anything with chlorophyll in it is going to be a good source of magnesium because um, chlorophyll has a heme ring. So it has the same kind of organic ring structure that hemoglobin does. Hemoglobin is the red pigment in our blood that carries iron and therefore picks up and drops off oxygen to all kinds of areas in our bodies. Um, Magnesium is, and so the central ion in hemoglobin is iron and it's basically the same structure as chlorophyll, except chlorophyll has that heme ring, but instead of having iron in the middle, it's got magnesium. So if you eat leafy greens, you're going to be eating a bunch of magnesium. That's why if you're eating a lot of leafy greens, you have to be careful how much magnesium pill you take. Um, but, but leafy greens are a great way to get magnesium. If you're not eating a lot of leafy greens, you might want to rethink that. And soon it'll get cold again. I guess not for a while though. I'm feeling like it's we're going to have a protracted summer, but i what do I know, right? Um, but when we start getting cooler nights, we'll get the spinach back. And when we have spinach, that means sog. Uh, back <laughs> Yay, to sog. Sog. Mm, yeah. sog. So we haven't had sog Man in a while. Sog. Love my sog. Yes, um, you know, that delicious um, Indian spiced cream spinach. It's delicious. And um, who makes it? You. Mm. Well, I wouldn't know what to do. So <laughs> So there's other foods that are high in magnesium. Avocados are high in magnesium because look at them. They're green. They have chlorophyll in them. Um, Dark chocolate has decent magnesium in it. Um, And of course, spinach, all kinds of leafy greens. If you get your mixed greens from the market, um, arugula, I I love arugula. Not everybody loves arugula, but I am a lover of arugula. I love that that, uh, piquant, spicy taste of the arugula, which, by the way, is good for you. Um, That taste is considered a bitter, and it will help you with to make more hydrochloric acid and also to move uh, bile, to help you to make and move bile through your biliary system, through your liver and your gallbladder and the rest of your biliary system. Uh, Magnesium, as we said, is great for mood. Uh, It helps to calm, it helps to increase your parasympathetic tone, um, which keeps you calm and relaxed. So it helps with stress relief. Other things that are high in magnesium are tofu, if you're okay with eating... um, if you're okay with eating soy, uh, whole grains have magnesium in them. Fatty fish like salmon, mackerel, and halibut. Uh, bananas have a decent amount of magnesium. Ron put one away today. Um, and lentils, beans, and chickpeas and peas. And I have a, a pretty serious hummus habit. I have like a tablespoon of hummus a day and I'm actually not dipping anything into it. I'm um, I'm just eating it to put medicine in. I put some taurine powder, which is a great amino acid, again, for calming. I have a calming routine that I do in the evening and it includes taurine powder and theanine and yin yoga and um, reading a book and, you know, a few things I do to and, and drinking some Tulsi tea. So I have a bunch of things I do in the evening that are like a calming routine. I bet you didn't realize that that was what was going on. That it's not, it's not, it's a whole bunch of things that I take and do. And it, it makes me, for the oh, evening. Oh, I realize what's going on. I see the results. Really? So yeah. how, okay, so how am I different? You're calmer. You're not as uh, hyped up at night. And, um, you know, a little less edgy. My not as reactive, like, you know, just to stuff in general. Yeah. Yeah, that's Okay, good. yeah. That's good. That's yeah, all thing. is good. Yoga is good for you. It was like good yoga. for you. It's it's not, well, it's not just the yoga; it's other things too. It's... I know, but the yoga is what I visibly see and hear. So yes, you do. You hear me going? Oh, she omes in the other room. right? Sometimes they oh, and when... I just when she wants to, do it, I just get out of the room. I yeah, just leave her alone. Yeah, it's good. You could be in the room. You just have to Because life is better this way. Life is better this way. Mm. Yes. Well, some some <laughs> online yoga instructors have you say Om, um, and when they have you say Om, they often have you say it at the end, um, and some of them have you say it at the beginning. I really like it when they make you say Om in the beginning and the end, mm. uh, because it's um, saying Om is very healing. It's one of the, the one of my uh, healing people told me that there are certain words that are very healing that have been identified as healing words that when you say them they bring forth healing powers and ohm is one of them and when you say ohm you, you don't say it like the the me- you know that ohm is a measure of electricity right right yeah so this is really uh, there's like three syllables in ohm you're supposed to say oh So it's like there's three different sounds when you say it and you take a really deep breath in and then you say it on the exhale and you let it go through the whole exhale and try to sustain it for as long as you can. And it really resonates in your body and it's really lovely. It's another way because uh, toning, that word is very healing, om, but also any kind of toning or singing is very good for your parasympathetic nervous system. It helps you calm down. So just singing anything you like to sing, if you sing something you enjoy, it will help to calm your parasympathetic nervous system down. All right, let's look at other things that can help you calm down, or that can help you that don't cost a lot of extra. You can use mint. Do you know that mint can help you with muscle pain and digestion? You can get loose mint, um, you know, loose mint and use it as tea, or you can get tea bags. Um, and you can drink it and it can be helpful uh, and Peppermint is uh, if you get peppermint in it can be really calming for if you you have a cranky belly uh, and uh, If you're going to use peppermint to calm your belly down if you have muscle if you have uh, intestinal cramping You probably want to get peppermint that is enterically coated. It's coated um, so that it doesn't break open until it gets into you, it gets past your stomach and gets into your small intestine. Because why? Peppermint is calming to the smooth muscle in your digestive system. That includes your lower esophageal sphincter, the ring of muscle at the bottom of your esophagus. And so, if it calms that down, it can give you heartburn. And I have that problem. If I have too much mint, I'll get a little heartburn. Um, but if I have just the right amount of mint, it's wonderful. And I drink Tulsi tea at night. Uh, Tulsi tea is, is holy basil, and basil is a mint. It's in the mint family, the Lamin, Laminaceae like family. Mm. Yes, we like basil, but I'm drinking holy basil. So we're eating basil because we have basil from the garden, and uh, we have a garden of pots. You know, We have plants and pots, and among them we have basil. Because this is the basil time of year. Uh, and basil is a mint. Did you know that basil is a mint? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a, in the Lamin, Laminaceae, Laminaceae family one of my favorites. It's I like it a lot. favorite mint. And then holy basil is similar. It's related to it. It doesn't taste exactly like, um, you know, culinary basil. But um, holy basil is, um, or Tulsi, is calming. And it's a great thing to have to, to help calm you down. But anyway, mint is something. And so, you know, you can get Tulsi tea. And that can be a lovely, calming drink that you can have. Uh, and mint itself... Um, so that's another mint. Tulsi is a mint. So that, that counts as what I'm talking about here. Um, and if you have pain, you can use wintergreen topically. Uh, and wintergreen has methyl salicylate in it. And it works. It can work similarly to capsaicin. So capsaicin is an extract of cayenne pepper. So, cayenne, so methyl salicylate, uh, that, that methyl salicylate and menthol and capsaicin, they'll deplete substance P. Um, substance P is uh, helpful in the pain pathway. It it will help to cause pain. So if you deplete substance P, you're going to feel less pain. So you can get topicals that have methyl salicylate. So when you get things like Bengay um, or anything that has that intense wintergreen smell, um, there's either actual wintergreen in there or there's methyl salicylate in there. Um, So the other thing that mint does um, is mint... Peppermint and spearmint have been studied to lower testosterone. So if you are working in the gym to build muscle, you may not want to do it. Now, if you have a piece of chocolate with some mint in it, I won't worry about that. But if you're pounding mint tea, you might not want to do that. If you're pounding spearmint and peppermint tea, if you have belly stuff and you're working out in the gym and you're trying to build muscle, you might not want to have mint as your go-to to help heal your um, digestive spasms. There are other things that you can use that aren't going to have that problem, like um, lemon balm um, or linden. Um, those are going to be calming. And wood betony is another plant that is calming for digestive cramps. Um, and so it won't necessarily lower your testosterone. But you have to—that that is something you have to be careful of if you don't want to lower your testosterone. You do want to lower your testosterone because um, you're a woman with polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, or you're a trans woman, uh, that's, that's something you could consider doing. Um, or, you know, for any reason you want to lower your testosterone, if you're, um, if you're gender nonconforming or if you're a trans woman or if you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, you can use Spearmint and Peppermint as one of the things you do to calm your testosterone down. So, um, all right. Um, then there's nice fenugreek. Fenugreek is lovely. Fenugreek is really nice for, it, it's good for a few things. If you are a woman and you're, or if you are nursing and you need to increase your milk supply, fenugreek, you can drink fenugreek tea and fenugreek can help you with your milk supply as can fennel, as can milk thistle, as can blessed thistle. <laughs> and so can goat's rue. Uh, all of those things are great, what we call galactagogues. Um, and so you can find teas that will help you with that. Fenugreek in particular will be helpful for that. The other nice thing about fenugreek is if you, um, if you have blood sugar regulation issues, if you have high blood sugar, even if you're diabetic or um, pre-diabetic, um, fenugreek can help to regulate blood sugar and it can help to lower triglycerides. So it's helpful for that. Um. So, uh, venue Greek also has, um, water soluble fiber, and that may be part of how, if you eat the seeds, that may be part of how it will lower triglycerides and blood sugar for you. Um, and so, and that, that's, that's a lot of how it works because it is high in fiber. And when you eat a lot of fiber, it helps with insulin function. All right. Um, so that's venue Greek. We talked venue Greek. All right. And so, um, there are so many plants that you can use for managing. So those are some good things you can use as home remedies. Um, all right, let's see some other things. Let's talk about Epsom salts. Epsom salts are relatively inexpensive and that's something that you can use. Um, Epsom salts is another form of, guess what? Magnesium, Magne- it's magnesium sulfate. So you don't generally drink Epsom salts because it'll, it might unless you're trying to induce vomiting. Uh, because of because you've called poison control and poison control told you to do that. Otherwise, you don't ingest Epsom salts. You use Epsom salts topically, and Epsom salts can be used topically. Um, and the reason it's called Epsom salt is because there's a town in England. So I didn't know this. There's a town in England mm. called Epsom. It's uh-huh. not. It's close to London, and supposedly the salt was discovered there about four hundred years ago. Oh my so, goodness! Yeah. Um, So you're not supposed to eat it, it tastes really bitter. Magnesium in general doesn't taste good. Like if you, like I got a liquid magnesium that I wanted to take as a supplement and it tastes so bad I can't do it. I I prefer to take my, if I'm gonna take magnesium, I'm gonna take it in pills. Although there are are some companies that flavor their magnesium powder well enough that it's tolerable, that it's reasonably palatable. So Epsom salt, uh, you pour Epsom salts into warm water and the Epsom salt gets absorbed through your skin. Uh, and that the thing is that um, science doesn't show that it's necessarily absorbed through your skin. Um, but it does seem to help. As soon as you get into an Epsom salt bath, you feel better. My thought is that it's absorbed mineral minimally minerally through your skin. Minimally mm. through your skin. And the way that it works isn't actually so much that you're absorbing it. But you definitely have nerve endings on your skin. You have all kinds of nerve endings on your skin. That's how you feel stuff, right? So um, so you're getting in a bath. Because the thing is, when you get into an Epsom salt bath, you feel better immediately. If you're feeling better immediately, it's not because you're absorbing this stuff, all right? It, it's because it's <laughs> something is happening when it touches your skin. And it's not magic, unless you think it. If you think it's magic, I'm okay with that. But... Um, Epsom salts what ha- what's going on there is the magnesium su- there, you got a lot of magnesium sulfate um, in the in the water and the magnesium is simply touching the nerve endings that are present on your skin. it's coming in contact with them and it's calming all your nerves down like every every nerve that's feeling, the the magnesium hitting it is calming down. So you just feel calmer and that's going to send signals through the nerves to the rest of your body. I think that's, that's why there's such an immediate response to it. So if you calm a bunch of other nerves, a bunch of nerves down in one area of your body, that will often send um, a relay response to other nerves elsewhere in your body. So everything just calms down. So that, I think that's really how it works. Uh, there may be some evidence that you're absorbing a little bit that you're, um, because you're in this um, hyper magnesium salt bath uh, that, um, well, I guess it, it depends if you are, you're we're going to be less, like we have physiological saline in us. So we're 0.9% saline in our blood and our secretions. Um, so Epsom salt is going to tend to want to Cross um, us as a semi-permeable membrane, so there may be a little bit of absorption that happens. Because people talk about detoxing when they sit in Epsom salt baths, Um, and that may or may not be true, Um, but it's definitely relaxing. And I think uh, basically, um, you know, there's there's um, a lot of people. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence that people do well with it, that it's helpful for stress relief. It helps to stabilize moods, anxiety, depression, um, helps with muscle pain. If it's helping with muscle pain it's doing something, um, that it can also help to reduce my relax a migraine. But again, I don't, I, I don't think it's because you're absorbing significant amounts of the magnesium. I think it's like I said, it's because, um, the magnesium is hitting all the nerve endings anywhere you're, you're in the bath and anywhere that the magnesium is touching on your body, those nerves are calming down and they're sending signals to the rest of your body. Yo, calm down. Um, so, uh, so I, the only thing that can happen that they can really go wrong is um, if you're e- epsom salt's can to be irritating if your skin is broken. So if you have an open wound or you have a burn or you have a skin infection or you have, um, you know, a, a rash and the rash is open, it might hurt you to get into the Epsom salt bath. Um, and, some detox plans suggest drinking Epsom salts, but um, again, you know, it's a magnesium salt and magnesium salts draw water to them. They can give you diarrhea. Like if you're going to take magnesium for, if you're gonna ingest magnesium for health purposes, I wouldn't drink Epsom salts. I would, ta- I would take a nice supplement that's not going to give you nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea. Makes sense, right? Okay, so that's Epsom salts. Now let's talk about lovely apple cider vinegar. There's a, there's a good thing and you can get, it's better to get organic, but you know, you get a great big bottle for not too much money. And, um, there's some scientific research behind apple cider vinegar. Um, it's been used for centuries in cooking and medicine. It can help with a lot of complaints. People use it. There's actually evidence showing that it can help to regulate blood sugar, improve diabetes symptoms, help with fat loss, and also help to reduce cholesterol. Uh, but there's not a huge amount of research. And, you know, one of, this is one of those things that I, I think there's not a huge amount of research because who gets to make money off it? It's one of those things. That why do you want to study something that's inexpensive and cheap that anybody can get? And so, unfortunately, there's not a lot of research behind inexpensive home remedies. It's really unfortunate. Um, and yet, inexpensive home remedies could save our general health sh- care system so much money but what can I say? All right, um, so let's see. Um, the, um, so let's see. So, so the manufacturer, um, so how you make ap- apple cider vinegar, you expose um, crushed apples to yeast and that ferments the sugars and turns them into alcohol and bacteria will further ferment the alcohol and that creates the acetic acid, which is the main ingredient in vinegar. Um, Acetic acid gives vinegar its strong sour smell and flavor, um, and that acid is what we think is helpful for the the benefits of of apple cider vinegar. Um, Organic unfiltered apple cider vinegar has what everybody knows as the mother... And there's protein enzymes and friendly bacteria. And it gives the product a murky appearance. So it's not going to be clear. And so you know the mother is in there. When you buy your organic brand, you'll see that it's, um, you know, it's the color of um, fermented apples. You know, if you hold your apple, if you if you bite into an apple and then you let it sit out, it turns brown, right? Well, that's what color apple cider vinegar is. And then apple cider vinegar is not going to be clear. It's going to have that muck in it. Um, and so... So people think that the mother is responsible for the health benefits, but that hasn't been well studied. Um, so it doesn't have a lot of vitamins and minerals. There's a little potassium and some have an- amino acids and antioxidants. Uh, the vinegar itself can kill pathogens, can kill bacteria. It can kill fungus. Um, it can, people have used it for lice, warts, ear infections, because warts are a virus. And so you can kill it with a virus. Um, and Hippocrates used vinegar to clean wounds. And that was 2000 years ago that people use it as a food preservative. That's how you do pickling with vinegar. Um, and people use apple cider vinegar. Um, there are anecdotal reports that you could, if you use diluted apple cider vinegar, you can put it on acne. Um, but not a lot of great research. People will also take, um, apple cider vinegar and make fire cider with it, which is wonderful. Fire cider is where you, um, you take apple cider vinegar and you add, um, some delicious ingredients to it. Um, you add maybe onions, garlic, P- people have different recipes for fire cider, but there can be onions and garlic and usually something spicy, even spicier like cayenne. There can be turmeric in it. um. You can make it sweet if you want to. You can put a little honey in it, and you can also put citrus in it. I I really like my firesider on the sweeter side, with the spicy with the spicy taste in it, as well as the um, the sweet taste in it. So I like it with a little bit of honey, and then lemon and lime, or lemon and orange in it. It tastes really good that way. And then I like to either take shots of it. Sometimes I'll take shots of it and sometimes uh, frequently I'll use it on my salad and I'll I'll eat it that way. In the wintertime though, it can just taste so nurturing to have that warm apple cider vinegar with all those spices in it. It's really good for your immune system. You have the onions and garlic and cayenne and turmeric and, um, and then the citrus. It's just a really nice tonic. Um, so there's, there have been some studies, um, in helping, um, type two diabetes, Um, and, um, so, um, so there are, there is a study that showed that, uh, type two diabetes where you have insulin resistance and elevated blood sugar. Um, people without diabetes can help regulate their blood sugar with type two diabetes. And, um, and of course, you know, that you can't treat type two diabetes by just taking apple cider vinegar. You have to do the work type two diabetes, um, depending on how severe it is, you um, you always have to watch what you eat. You have to watch your starches and sugars. You have to get exercise. And then it depends on how serious your type. Ta- some people can control type two diabetes just by, um, and they can control di- type two diabetes just by controlling their diet and getting exercise. Some people do that. And then some people have to take supplements as well. Things like fenugreek, as we talked about, berberines, magnesium, chromium, those are all things that can help type 2 diabetes. And there are some suggestions that apple cider vinegar can help. Um, And then some people, that's not enough. And, you know, you don't want your blood sugar to be sitting super high all the time, and you don't want your hemoglobin A1C, the measure of the level of glycated or, you know, damaged um, hemoglobin in your blood to run too high. So if it's running too high, you may wind up having to taste some pharmaceuticals as well. Um, But there was a study... That in, it was just a small study, just five people. They saw that vinegar reduced blood sugar by about 31% after eating 50 grams of white bread, which raises your blood sugar a decent amount. Um, two tapes. Some stu- another study showed two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar before bedtime reduced fasting blood sugar by 4%, which is not a huge amount, but it's helpful. Um, there are other studies that show it improves insulin function and um, lowers blood sugar, and Uh, There's another study that showed that it can can improve insulin sensitivity by like 19 to 34% during a high-carb meal. Um, So the National Centers for Complementary Medicine says it's really important that you don't replace medical treatment with unproven health products. And where I sit, if you come in and you have type 2 diabetes... I'm going to treat you with whatever works. I don't want you to have an elevated blood sugar and I don't want you to have an elevated hemoglobin A1C. So of course, we're gonna try, have you do a trial of um, diet and exercise and we're gonna ask you to diet and exercise no matter what. But if you can't in your everyday life control your blood sugar, we're going to ask you to take some stuff to help lower your blood sugar like chromium, like fenugreek, like berberines, like bilberry. Um, you know, the different things that we use to help you lower your blood sugar. And if that doesn't work, we're going to suggest that you get some medicine. You know, start with things like metformin and the various um, oral hypoglycemics that have various different mechanisms of action. Uh, Because diabetes is not good. Diabetes, having diabetes is not a good thing, whether you have type 2 or type 1 diabetes. Um, Having elevated blood sugar, what happens is you have the sugar attaching to proteins in your body and, when sugar attaches to proteins in your body, it makes them less supple and less functional and makes them break down. So any that can be anywhere in your body, it can be in your skin. Much worse, it can be in your blood vessels, so it can give you cardiovascular disease, it can hurt the coronary arteries, it can hurt, hurt your cerebrovascular arteries, it can hurt the little tiny capillaries in your eyes, which is why people with diabetes can go blind. Um, so it can, it, it can hurt your, the lens of your eyes so that you get cataracts and it can also hurt the retina so you it can cause blindness. And the other place where, so diabetes is dangerous for places where you have little capillaries, um, and a lot, and the capillaries are a big part of how you get blood flow to the areas. And, um, so that's why people lose toes when they have diabetes, because you have a lot of capillaries yes. in your toes, um, well, the issue there is that you have these capillaries and you have a gravity problem with toes. So, you know, people who don't have diabetes have capillaries that are not breaking down and they have good venous return. And if you're getting a lot of exercise, you're gonna have good venous return. And um, if you have capillaries that are breaking down in your toes, then you're not going to have as good venous return and they're going to be more likely to break down if you have high blood sugar. The other place that you have a lot of capillaries that can be an issue for diabetes is your kidneys. So people get... um, renal problems with, um, with diabetes and they can get kidney failure. So however you can treat the diabetes is good. Yes apple cider vinegar can help but you have, to, you have to work with somebody and get monitored and make sure that your blood sugar and your hemoglobin A1c are reasonably low and you get there however you can get there. Um, so there's some studies that show that uh, apple cider vinegar might help people with fat loss. Um, and the, the idea, one of the ideas is that vinegar can make you feel fuller. So, and if you feel fuller, you might be less likely to eat, um, a lot of food and you might lose more weight. Um, taking vinegar along with a high carb meal can lead to increased feelings of fullness. So, which caused people to eat like 200 to 275 pure calories through the day. And there was a study where, um, they gave, um, apple cider vinegar, um, to like 175 people and it reduced their belly fat and caused weight loss. And one tablespoon led to two and 2.6 pounds of fat loss and two tablespoons led to 3.7. I'm trying to see here, uh, that the study went on for three months. So, so that's, that's not a lot of weight, but if you keep doing that over time, it adds up and slow fat loss is the best way to lose fat. Um, and so, you know, it, it, you have to have long-term healthy habits for fat loss. Um, and, you know, apple cider vinegar doesn't have a lot of calories itself. Um, so there, there were animal studies that show that apple cider vinegar helps with heart health, um, that it can improve a lot of risk factors um, for cardiovascular disease. And in the animal studies, they showed that cholesterol and triglyceride levels went down. And some studies in rats showed that it lowered blood pressure. And, of course, when your blood pressure is high, that that's, um, it gives you more likelihood of cardiovascular disease and kidney issues. Um, the, the studies are not great in humans, but, I mean, this is not a thing that can hurt you. Um, skin health. Um, the skin is naturally acidic, and if you use, it, if you use apple cider t- topically, it could help rebalance your natural pH of your skin. Um, and al- alkaline, you know, soaps and things tend to be, um, uh, tend to be alkaline. And so if you rebalance with apple cider vinegar, that can be helpful. Um, and apple cider vinegar might be helpful with eczema and acne and other conditions that are affected by mo- microbes. Um, and some people dilute it. So you're not going to use straight apple cider vinegar on your face. You're going to dilute it. Uh, And and use it as a toner. So, I mean, I would put, I mean, you have, I'm not sure what percentage you might use, but I would, I'm going to go with something like one to five or even less, you know, one to 10 apple cider vinegar to water and figure out a a, 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 um, percentage that works for you. Don't use undiluted apple cider vinegar on your skin. Unless I would say you could probably dot apple cider vinegar on a pimple but that's that's the extent of it i would not douse your face in undiluted apple cider vinegar i would definitely dilute it okay all right so if you want to incorporate it into your diet you can put it into salad dressings mayonnaise uh, dilute it in water drink it as a beverage don't use a large amount the other thing is if you're taking your apple cider vinegar you want to put it in water it's a good idea to put it in water if you don't want to put it in water drink some water and swish your mouth right after you drink it because it is acidic and it can eat at your tooth enamel in fact any acidic food or drink that you consume can eat at your tooth enamel. so when you're so it's a good idea to follow anything acidic you drink like coffee or tea or um or you know if you like me i'd like to put lemon in my seltzer um it's best to drink plain water after that to to wash that out and then make sure you're brushing your teeth and you're doing things to re-enamel your teeth um, so, so, you know, there's a lot of health claims for apple cider vinegar. If it's something you want to use, it can be a relatively inexpensive, fun thing to add to your home health benefits. All right. Let's go on to baking soda, baking soda, right? That's a good baking thing. Soda. Mm. Yeah. Good, inexpensive thing to use home that. thing. Yeah. Mm. There's so many uses for baking soda. Um, you can use it as a mouthwash. So I was told by my dental hygienist who said, because I went in and I talked about how I was starting to feel self-conscious about my teeth not being as white as they used to be. And you know, I'm I'm an occasional drinker of coffee and I'm a regular drinker of tea. Um, and I'm starting to feel like eh, my teeth are a little stained. I mean, I'm looking at Facebook right now and it's not too bad. Um, I did get a whitening toothpaste. And my understanding is, if you get an ADA, American Dental Association approved toothpaste, um, the the granules that are in it are going to be softer than your enamel, so they're not going to wear at your enamel, and they do get rid of surface stains. Well, guess what? Baking soda can be used in your toothpaste. You can add baking soda to your toothpaste, or you can buy a, you can buy toothpaste that has baking soda in it. And baking soda is not it's softer than your enamel, so it won't wear at your enamel, and it will help get rid of surface stains. So my dental hygienist said it was okay to use that, so that's very cool. Um, so baking soda can be used in a mouthwash, um, and it, it can get into crevices in your teeth and gums that you might miss, miss during um, brushing. Some people use baking soda instead of commercial mouthwashes that it can help freshen your breath and and have some antimicrobial um, and uh, antibacterial properties. Um, and it does increase the pH level of saliva, um, which, um, is important for I- inhibiting ba- uh, bacterial growth. And when you increase, when you make your saliva a little more alkaline, you'll keep your enamel more because it will help you want to raise the pH to get the minerals into your teeth. Um, and likewise, if you have too much acid in your mouth, um, that wears away at your enamel so um so you can make your own baking soda mouthwash just half a teaspoon in in a glass of warm water and then swish that's it i was i mentioned again um a teeth whitener um and it can break break the bonds of molecules that that uh, stick to your teeth the other thing that's this time of that ate this time of year that causes darkening is blueberries lots of blueberries all the blueberries i think are done we went to we went to see our friend who has the blueberry farm um a week ago just over a week ago and she was she was picked out so normal blueberry well the blueberries actually i shouldn't say that blueberries are not done blueberries are done here in connecticut but what happens with blueberries is they move up the coast they start out you can get blueberries. I'm not sure if they grow blueberries in Plant City, Florida. They definitely grow strawberries there. They may grow blueberries there. And then it kind of starts moving up the coast. I Actually, they come from Mexico first. And then they come up there from Florida. And then you see they come from North Carolina. And then you, you look at your container. Oh, it came from New Jersey. And then you get the local ones here in Connecticut. They're probably and then popping they, in Maine right now. Right. And right. Then, they, then you go up to Maine. And, you know, of course... Maine, when once you get into maine and atlantic canada um they have tons of wild growing um low bush blueberries the wild blueberries that are american and they have those blueberries in maine and they have them in quebec and they have them in um, all of the all of the uh, uh, Atlanta, all of atlantic canada so that's going to be prince edward island and nova scotia and um, new brunswick and Newfoundland. When I lived in Newfoundland, we picked blueberries into October. I remember going um, out into the country outside of St. John's, and we would go and pick blueberries uh, into into October. Um, so, you know, there's a short season, but, um, you know, and the season runs late, especially in Newfoundland, because it's the furthest north. Um, although, you know, if you're thinking Newfoundland is, you know, up through the Arctic Circle, that is not where Newfoundland is. Newfoundland. Is even with Seattle pretty much um, that's how far north it is and it's not as cold as you would think because the Gulf Stream runs not too far from it so does the Labrador current but um, it's not incredibly cold there it's just it's colder in the summer that the summer never gets super warm except I don't know what it did this year and because you know climate change right Uh, but anyway, we, yeah, we would go, we would go picking blueberries up through October. I remember that. And then you'd be picking the last bits of them. And then by November, that was it. Um, so anyway, so baking soda, that was about baking soda and removing the blueberry stains from your teeth. Okay. Um, so, um, let's see. So anyway, but so baking soda can be used in deodorant. Human sweat actually has no odor. Did you know that? Um, no, but I think it's the bacteria that you build you, up that has it, the it, odor, right? Precisely, that's right. So the yeah, the sweat itself, and depending what's coming out in your sweat, that's what you're going to. Um, uh, so the, the, depending what's coming out in your sweat, the bacteria are going to eat the different things that come out in your sweat. So if you're if you're anxious, um, if you're sweating from stress, you're going to sweat out more protein, and so. The bacteria that eat the protein um, in your sweat they make stinky compounds like sulfur-bearing compounds, and that's what makes you smell. Um, but if you um, so the bacteria um, at, convert the, your sweat into acidic waste products, and that's what gives you the smell. So baking soda can eliminate um, sweat smell by making the by neutralizing the odors. That's how it works, and that's what it does in your refrigerator too. And that's the next thing I was going to talk about. So you can put baking soda into your armpits, or mix it with coconut oil, shea butter, or cornstarch, or and you can also get deodorant from the health food store that has baking soda in it. Fridge odor neutralizer. Remember, put it in your fridge, and then dump it down your sink, and oh, you yeah. know, make your um, fridge and your sink smell good. Yep. Um, and some of the f- some of the foods in your fridge might start to not uh, not smell so good and baking soda can help with that Uh, you can use it as a general air freshener as well Uh, and so um, baking soda is an alternative to commercial air freshers it doesn't have it doesn't have industrial chemicals um, and you can make it up with baking soda and essential oils and um, you put it in a jar, covered with cloth or paper, and then put it wherever you like. So you can have baking soda in the bathroom, for example. So you can have a jar of baking soda, and put some essential oils in it. Stick it in your bathroom, and now you have a nice bathroom freshener. You can put it in as a whitening agent in your laundry because it has, because it's alkaline, it can help remove dirt and stains, and it's gentle. It's very nice. So you can add a half a cup of baking soda to your laundry. I didn't know that. Um, and you can clean with it because it's a safe abrasive. It's safe for your teeth. It's safe for your, your, uh, the coffee stains on your cups and your marble and your grease and your kitchen tiles, your drains, your silver, your countertops. It's a nice thing. Uh, and also in the garbage that's, you know, we could do that. We, maybe we should get a big box of baking soda. Cause we could, if we haven't taken the garbage out in a while, cause we're trying to fill up the bag, we could put baking soda in the bag. And you could use it as a carpet stain remover. Um, So you can do baking soda and vinegar together. And it creates a nice fizzing reaction and it can break down stains. Um, So, and that's helpful if you have pets and, you know, pets uh, unfortunately use the floor. Um, (coughs) Yeah. And so you can use a combination of vinegar and baking soda to help with that. You can use it as a bathroom cleaner as well, because again, it is an abrasive, so if you want to clean up soap scum, or if you want to clean yucky scum off your toilet, or whatever you need to, um, toilets, showers, tube sinks, you make a a natural bathroom cleaner, don't you? Or I I make a cleaner, and I also make a, um, I also make a, a, a spray, a, like a, a air freshener. Yeah, with baking soda. I don't make it. With no, baking. I easy. make neither of them with baking okay. soda. Okay, right. So we'll but ask you what those are we'll later. We'll do that another time. Okay. You can use it to help remove pesticide residue on foods. Why? Again, because it's a mild abrasive. Um, and so, you know, you want to eat the peel where the nutrients are. So if you use a little baking soda, if you wash the your fruit with some baking soda water and a little brush, you can get some of the pesticides off that are sitting on the the skin. It won't help with the stuff that's penetrated the fruit, but it'll help with the stuff on the skin. You can polish silverware with it. Um, So if you have actual silver that's tarnished, you can scrub off the the tarnish with baking soda. Um, And uh, you you put the baking soda in an aluminum pan um, and that'll, and you'll, if you put baking soda in an aluminum pan with, with vinegar, It'll de-tarnish your silver right away. Um, you can use it for a scorched pot that has, you know, it got stuff burnt on there that you can use it that way. Um, it, c- it can be a fire and grease, uh, a grease fire extinguisher. You just dump it on and it'll smother the fire. You can use it as a weed killer. So I wonder if you can put, you know, we have a poison ivy problem in our yard. I wonder if you can put baking soda on the poison ivy. I don't know about that. Good question. Yeah. I mean, and it might be safer than using salt because people use salt for poison ivy too. You can put it in your shoes to make them less stanky because it will absorb odors. It neutralizes acidic odors, as we said. Um, it can help treating heartburn, you know, there's because it's alkalizing. So if you drink a little baking soda in water, um, and all, the only issue is that not everybody with heartburn has high stomach acid. Some people have low stomach acid. Um, there is a lot of sodium in it if you're not trying not to uh, have too much sodium. And if you have too much baking soda, you could, you're, you're at some risk of getting metabolic alkalosis. That's if you drink a lot of it. It can help with canker sores. Um, so if you have canker sores, you could put a little tiny bit of baking soda and a little bit of water and, and rinse your mouth and see if, it's, if it improves. Baking soda with exercise... Uh, performance who knew that it helps you perform longer at your peak it was studied in high intensity training and sprinting Um, you make a lot of lactic acid and baking soda may help delay fatigue because of its high ph because the lactic acid makes your muscles acidic Um, and so so that's interesting that that, that you'd have 135 milligrams of baking soda per pound of body weight That's that's a lot of baking i don't know if i would do that myself but it's interesting. Um, you can put baking soda on bug bites or bee stings. It can help you to itch less because inflammatory products are acidic, so it alkalizes stuff. And you can, um, you can take a baking soda bath if you're itching from sunburn. Um, it's studied to possibly delay the progression of chronic kidney disease, um, and so baking soda might help that way there's some studies that say it helps to um, reduce the progression. Um, and there's even some studies that could help with certain cancer treatments. Um, ca- cancer, of course is often treated with chemotherapy, and that there's some studies that say that baking soda helps chemotherapy work better. But of course, if you're going undergoing chemotherapy treatment, you should talk with your oncologist about using this. So baking soda, that's another inexpensive thing that does it's so versatile. Um, all right. So then there's, um, so the one last thing we'll talk about is oats. I love oats. I love to eat oats. Um, oats are really good for your skin. They help with moisturizing. They are a nervine, so they have compounds in it that, that can calm itching in your skin. That's why you take oatmeal baths when you have, um, uh, you take oatmeal baths when you have, uh, um, chicken pox or poison ivy or any kind of itchy rash it can be a gentle exfoliant um, so if you use oatmeal you know oatmeal scrubs it can help to exfoliate your skin um, it has flavonoids in it uh, which are great antioxidants so it can help to protect your skin that way it's a natural cleanser because it's a, it has saponins in it are like soap so it helps to soothe your skin and they're antioxidants as well Uh, It's good for a lot of different skin concerns, including dry skin. It can improve your complexion because it is a mild exfoliant and has the antioxidants and reduce skin inflammation. Um, Oats can help to stimulate collagen production. So if if oats are an ingredient in whatever you're using, you might make more collagen and have less wrinkles. And it can also soak up excess oil if oil is an issue for you. So oats are a great home remedy. Um, Oats, when you eat them, they have a lot of soluble fiber in them, so they might be helpful in reducing um, your low-density lipoprotein cholesterol and your triglycerides. Um, You can take oatmeal baths. You can make an oatmeal mask. You can eat oatmeal. um, You can make a cleanser if you have oily skin. So it's good for a lot of things. So I wound up that nice question that that nice Judith gave me turned into a whole show, so it was really cool. So thank you, Judith. That was great. Um, and so we'll talk more about your liver, I think, next week, unless somebody else asks, asks a question. So great, inexpensive home remedies. And so now I'm going to go, and we're going to enjoy the fact that it's is it still raining. Hopefully it's going to rain more today. I hope so, because we need the rain really bad. Um, how's that rain doing? Looks like rain. Yay, it's raining. raining. We want yeah. it to rain. Okay. You have been listening to Radio Naturopath, the talk show about health and natural medicine. I am Fran Storch, ND, naturopathic physician, with my co-host, Ron Manizza. You can email me with questions and comments at radionaturopath at gmail.com. If you'd like to listen to this show at another time, you can check out our podcast at whus.org, iTunes, and Spotify. You can also leave questions or comments at my Facebook page, Twitter, and Instagram, at France Storch, ND. The views expressed on this program do not reflect the views of the staff management or licensee of this station. The information presented on this show should not be construed as medical advice or direction. If you're having a medical condition, please consult with your physician. Thank you for listening to Radio Naturopath, your show where you can learn about the best of science and nature. We'll be back with more Radio Naturopath next week at 91.7 FM, WHUS Stores and WHUS.org. Thank you for listening.